minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am here with my co-host Andrew Mertig. What's going on, Andrew? It's good to be back for another Friday edition of the podcast. Yeah, great to be back. I kind of want to go on a long soliloquy and waste a bunch of time tonight, but I'm not going to do that because we have a really exciting guest to get to. Wouldn't it actually be funny if I started like going on a really long rant right now? Right, right. And he's like, what, yeah. I, what am I doing here? What's going on? <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. Well, let's not waste any time. We're excited. Uh, if you've been listening to Andrew and I on Fridays, you know that we are in the middle of a series we're calling the Positional Prospectus. And in this series, we're taking a look at different positions on the Packers roster on each show. And we're kind of assessing where things currently sit, uh, but then having some fun dreaming about where each position could go over the course of the offseason. And so to this point, we've talked through all the offensive position groups. Last week, we talked through defensive tackle and edge. And today we are changing things up just a little bit. We're only going to be talking about one position group today. Now, today is all about off-ball linebackers. And the reason we're giving this whole show to the linebacker position is because we are super excited to be joined by Dan Dahlke on the podcast today. Dan is a contributor to the Cheesehead TV Draft Guide, uh, which is an absolutely awesome resource and a great way to get ready for the draft. But uh, Dan knows linebackers. This is his third year in a row uh, writing up the linebacker assessments for Cheesehead TV and that draft guide. So we thought, who better to have come on the Pack-A-Day podcast to help us get into these prospects than someone who spent hours and hours and hours looking at these off-ball backers. So, Dan, thanks so much for taking the time to join us on the Pack-A-Day podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm glad to be back. It's always a uh, thing I'm looking forward to every spring talking to you guys about the draft and uh, I've been enjoying your position uh, perspective so it's kind of cool to be part of it. It's great to have you and I just want to say before we jump into the draft we that's one of our favorite things here we want to take just a second and assess where the roster currently sits at linebacker and it's an interesting situation because I think there's a lot of hype around the second year guys Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin and, and for good reason each one had some really nice flashes this past season uh, but they are both second year players without a lot of proven experience and with Christian Kirksey being released uh, the vets on this team I guess if you want to call them veterans are Oren Burks and Ty Summers two guys who have a role but have probably, I would say, ascended to their peak. They are what they are. And so I think there's certainly room for improvement both in depth and in improving the starting rotation as well. Uh, but, Andrew, I'm curious, before we turn things over to Dan and the draft, um, are there any notable free agents that might be available on the open market that make you know could make the Packers want to pay a little bit of money for someone on the open market? First of all, enough Ty Summers slander from you, sir. <laughs> Former Reach seventh his round peak? great. Ty this Summers. is a man with unreal athleticism. He has That's not right. reached his peak. <laughs> also, I did not realize Oren Burks was still on the team. But anyways, <laughs> if if we look at free agency, uh, you know, you you have some names. It's not as deep as like the edge class that we talked about. 
last week, but you have Kyle Van Noy probably depending on what the Dolphins end up doing with him. Like good luck trying to trade that contract, but um, likely he'll be out on the free agent market. Of course you have um, the number one guy out there being Levante David, who is going to get paid uh, Avery Williamson, KJ Wright, Denzel Perriman, Devondre Campbell, Sean Lee, Eric Wilson, Nick Morrow. I mean, you <laughs> I could go on and on and on with like these serviceable veterans. Do the Packers go out and sign somebody uh more likely than not, the answer is no, unless that is a very, very cheap one-year deal for one of those sort of rotational guys. Yeah, it certainly feels like if the Packers were going to get a little creative at the linebacker position with paying for one, it may have happened last offseason. Where there's a little bit more flexibility, some names out on the market that make sense, but um, probably turning our attention to the draft if we're going to see an improvement there, which is okay with us because we love the draft. Uh, the consensus crown jewel of this class is Penn State's Micah Parsons, and he's been mentioned as a potential top 10 pick. He's got that kind of incredible talent, and that's pretty high praise for someone at the linebacker position because off-ball backer isn't always considered a premium position in the league. So uh, what did you see, I'm really curious, Dan, when you took a deep dive into Micah Parsons' tape? Yeah, I think the first thing that jumps out about Parsons is the speed, the athleticism, the quick burst. Uh, just his range is really impressive, and he's not a small linebacker in, in the very least. You know, he's got a lot of length, a lot of size, and, you know, you play between 245 and 250, and he's, like, a little over 6'3", and so he's a big guy with range and probably elite speed for the position, and so just that size-speed combo really makes him stand out, and I think that makes him very unique and very rare, and he has playmaking ability. I think you know, maybe it was smart on his part to end his collegiate career with the Cotton Bowl because it was by far his best game. You know, he forced a few fumbles. He had a few sacks. He had 14 tackles. He was the MVP of the bowl game. And he really just took over the game. So everyone kind of has this impression of Parsons. Like, he is this defensive playmaker. He is a guy that will take over games. And I was very disappointed when I watched his other film to find out that that's not always the case, and I mean, not that a guy has to constantly take over a game, but I think I had this impression of Parsons, of Parsons that he was that Cotton Bowl player. Um, it would have been interesting to see what he would have been like this fall, uh, even though you know I know that he may have only been playing in a few games because of the of the schedule, um, but he did forego his junior season and declare early, and so we really only have you know two years of his work. And those two years are his freshman and sophomore season. So that, that gives me a little bit of pause. And I do think he's got a very rare skill set. But I, I was actually surprised with his film how um, not quite how good his instincts are against the run that, that I was expecting. So he's that explosive athlete. He's going to make plays. He's going to slice through the line. Um, but you also see him be a little hesitant, be a little slow in his reads. And maybe you're hoping that that improves at the next level. Um, especially if he's going to be an inside middle linebacker. Like, if you, uh, you know, hypothetically, if you played in the Packers system, you'd want him to be that Mike. And I don't know if that's his best fit, honestly, at the next level. I think for Parsons, for him to really excel, it's going to depend on what kind of system he lands in. If you want him to be that Mike, that leader, that guy that's going to be the field general, I don't think that's his skill set. So, you know, I could see a team taking him. You know, in the, in the, obviously in the first round, he'll be off the board when the Packers pick. But I know um, he's mocked a lot to, like, Detroit and teams like that. 
But, you know, I would, I'm, I'm personally, I'm always against taking an inside linebacker in the top 10 anyway, even though I think Devin White's great. Um, I don't I actually don't think Parsons is on Devin White's level. He graded lower than, uh, for me than Devin White. And I've already heard many people talk about Parsons is the best linebacker prospect they've seen in years. And I definitely think Parsons is my top guy this year, but I liked White better. I liked Isaiah Simmons better. And I even liked Roquan Smith better. So I don't think he's quite at that par. And he just doesn't play with the instincts that these other guys play with. But you love the athletic skill set. I think his best fit is maybe in a 4-3 outside backer or like an under four, uh, front where he can just kind of get after it, maybe play in space or rush the passer. So he's got versatility. I'm just... I don't think his best value is as an inside backer where he has to, you know, really read the offense. And I think that I don't think that's his best skill set. So as a true inside backer, he actually graded a little lower uh, for me than just like a pure athlete, you know, as a pure defensive player. And I did think he got hung up in the trash a lot. I think he needs to learn to use his hands to shed blocks. So there's a lot of learning that's going to take place with Parsons game. But, you know, some team is going to get him. And if he finds the right fit in a good scheme, uh, he'll be a playmaker, that's for sure. So we're going to jump from one really athletic linebacker to another. And, you know, this one is is Notre Dame's Jeremiah Uwosu-Koromoa. And he's sort of that safety linebacker hybrid. And, and the first player that really comes to mind when I think about that is like Brian Urlacher. Um, you know, back when, when he was drafted, he was a safety and there was all this talk about like, can you really convert a safety to linebacker? Uh, we, ironically enough, the three of us were talking about Thomas Davis and his potential retirement right before the show. And he's another player who, who did that. And we went years kind of between those two without seeing anybody very similar, um, with a bunch of people kind of failing along the way. I, you know, I think of Taylor Mays, uh, when I think of that and, and now it seems multiple players in every draft season. You mentioned Isaiah Simmons before. Last year, we also had Jeremy Chin, Kyle Duggar. Are are these kind of hybrid guys? And for me, the top hybrid guy is Notre Dame's Jeremiah Woso-Koromoa. What do you think his best position is, and, and what are some things that he does well? Yeah, I think you're exactly right, Andrew. He is that hybrid safety linebacker. He's that sub-package linebacker. Um, you know, this is a very much a sub-package league. So I think, you know, this is a good time for, a te- a, you know, a guy like Owosu Koromoa to, pl- you know, enter the league. Or maybe 20 years ago, he'd be, you know, less of a value. Uh, he does look like a safety. Like when you watch his film, he plays like a safety. You know, he's very good in space, very electric, very fast. Uh, but just like a lot of hard-hitting safeties, he's undisciplined at times, uh, especially with his tackling. That's my biggest concern with him is he'll lower his shoulder. He doesn't always wrap up. He gets out of place. He bites on play fakes. And so, again, kind of talking about like Parsons, sometimes I wonder about his instincts and his ability to be patient and read what's going on on the field. Um, but, again, maybe dinging the guy because he's a little too aggressive. Maybe the Packers honestly need a guy like that who's who is fired up, lit up, and is ready to get downhill and, and go hit somebody. And so you definitely get that with Owusu Koromoa. He's a hard-hitting guy, but he's small. And I always have a hard time, you know, with these small, even if they're athletic linebackers, especially in the first round. I love him as a second round guy. I don't think he's there at the end of the second round. So, again, I doubt he's in play for the Packers at the end of the first round. He's just too much of a unique fit. Like, he's not that 
um, you know, complete package at a linebacker position. But he's a great, like, sub inside linebacker. Maybe he takes over for Raven Green and, like, our nickel look. And he's that other inside backer next to Chris Barnes or Kamal Martin. And now you got speed on the field. Um, but, yeah, I would, what I noticed in college is he makes plays, but he gets steamrolled against power running schemes. So Alabama ran all over him. He can't take on blocks very well. So if he's in a scheme where he's able to run free, he's awesome. He makes plays. He's, he impacts the game. Um, but if you're asking him to hold up in the middle in the box, he's going to struggle. And uh, that would be my one concern with him at being at, like an inside backer in the Packers scheme. Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch, or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Well, there, there's a couple of other players that I think are getting a lot of late first-round buzz, whether that's deserve it or not, um, and those are Tulsa's Zayvon Collins and Missouri's Nick Bolton. What do you think of those two players, and you know, is there one between those two that you prefer? I actually really love both of these guys, like Collins and Bolton, and they're so different. Like Collins is long and uh, you know really filled out. He reminds me of kind of like a Leighton Vander Esch from uh, – Boise State a few years ago. Really smart guy. I think he's a pre-med major, A-plus character guy, captain of his team. Um, I actually think he's a better coverage player than most people give him credit for. And you'd see his frame is like, you know, he's a little over 6'4", 260. You think he's just this inside mauler, but he's actually plays like a small linebacker. So he's fast. He's quick. He plays really well in space, really secure tackler. What you would like to see more from Collins is a little bit more tenacity a little bit more physicality especially for being so big he almost plays like too patient and too smooth at times sometimes you just want him to go and so maybe getting a fire under him a little bit more is his next step but i thought he's a very versatile smart player and i have a late first round grade on saving Collins. i think he's he gives you a lot he's a really he's a really true three down linebacker and i give him a lot of credit for being such a playmaker in tulsa's scheme because he's really their only dude on defense. I mean, <laughs> I mean, they are scheming against him. And you know, you watch him play against Oklahoma State and Cincinnati and UCF and all these teams. Collins is the one guy they're worried about, and he's still making plays. And so that says a lot to me. Um, you know, guys like Dylan Moses, who's in Alabama, maybe he should be making more plays because he's playing with so much talent. But like Collins is kind of the one dude, and he made a lot of just impactful plays and. You know, he got the defensive player of the year for a reason. And I think I just love his frame and uh, love his skill set there. And then Bolton is uh, 
you got to love how Bolton plays. I don't think he's a first-round guy, just measurables. And, um, you know, he's kind of more small and, like, packed and kind of reminds me of, like, Denzel Perryman. Um, But he hits hard. He's got really great burst. He lacks the long speed of some of these other top guys. So he'll get somewhere quick, and he's got a great first step. He's got amazing instincts against the run. I think he's got some of the best instincts against the run in this class. He just gets to the ball fast. He's around the line of scrimmage, but he's only an average guy in coverage. So that's going to really hurt him. I think he's going to fall, and I think he's at play at the end of the second round, maybe even in the, into the third. Um, but he's going to give you a lot of attitude, a lot of tenacity. He's an excellent run defender, and so you got to love that about Bolton. But I don't see him as a first-round guy. I'm really glad that you said that because that that's exactly how those two graded out for me. Zayvon oh, Collins nice. kind of at the end of the first round yeah. uh, and Bolton kind of squarely in that like middle, late, late second round area. So I feel a little bit better about where I was going with that. <laughs> two really fun players and two players I've seen connected to the Packers. I believe uh, Zayvon Collins did have a virtual meeting with the Packers in just the last couple of days that was reported. So exciting names to keep tabs on for Green Bay. Um, I'm curious a little bit about the Ohio State linebackers, Dan. Pete Warner and Baron Browning are really interesting to me, both talented players, but with really different skill sets. I was listening to an interview with the Ohio State linebackers coach, and he was talking about how they love both of these guys, but viewed them in very, very different ways with very different roles for their defense. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on both Warner and Browning there from OSU. Yeah, I was actually really disappointed Werner turned down the senior bowl invite because it'd been mm. cool to see all four Ohio State linebackers in Mobile and just see how they compare to each other. Um, when you watch the film, I think Werner is the guy that consistently stands out. At times, I thought he was the Buckeyes' best defensive player. Mm. And even in games where they're losing, he's just going all out. Uh, he's got a lot of length. He's actually got some surprisingly uh, better speed than you'd think. I think sometimes he gets looped or grouped together with tough Borland is like these kind of inside lunch pail type of guys. But Warner's actually a great athlete and he'll get after the quarterback. He's solid in coverage. And the best way to describe Warner's game is just very solid and consistent in every aspect of, of the position. I think he's one of the safest choices in this draft. So, um, you know, you're talking third, maybe if he falls in the fourth round, I would feel great about taking a guy like Warner at the end of the third. You know you're going to get a good player and a solid starter, but my my issue with Warner is maybe he's already tap, like tapped out. I think he you know he's got a lower ceiling than maybe Browning, and so you already kind of know what you're getting in Warner, and you and he's very reliable, he's very solid, uh, but I don't know if he's got a lot more room to grow as far as his game is concerned. But a very smart player and a great leader on that Ohio State defense. Now Browning's kind of the opposite, you know it's. Browning's really puzzling to rank and to place in this class because he's got some of the best physical tools. I mean, he's right up there, maybe just after Parsons, as far as physical makeup and speed and burst and athleticism. But gosh, he's frustrating on tape. Like He would be hesitant to, with his run reads, a step slow to do anything. He'll fall for fakes, he'll get out of position. And he's a, he was much better when they just had him as like a salmon and under front rushing off the edge because he was just could get straight line speed and get it after the quarterback. And then sometimes they line him up over the slot, and he's actually better in coverage. His 
than just reading the runs. But something, you know, something about putting him in the middle as a they had him as an inside backer in some games, and he just really struggled, and uh, it was almost too much for him. And maybe you hope that you know at the next level with some time that he develops that. But it's kind of interesting to listen to Joe Barry's interview. He said he can't teach instincts, and that's the biggest red flag I see with Baron Browning is great athlete, really impressive physical makeup, but I just thought his instincts against the run were really lacking. Now he was instincts against the pass were much better. And so he could cover and he could, you know, play the ball when he's dropping his zone. But my concern with Browning is what do you do with him once he's on your roster? I mean, maybe he finds a role, maybe you put him on the edge. But um, as like a true inside backer, I just didn't think it was all there. But someone I think was going to take him the second or third round just because of how athletic he is. Yeah, I think one of the notes that I had on Browning was like, why isn't this guy the best linebacker in the country? <laughs> um, and it, yeah, it's just puzzling and, and kind of frustrating to to watch guys. But he ended up with a really good grade because, as Kyle knows, I fall in love with guys with elite athletic traits, <laughs> like Ty Summers. Yeah. So like Oren Burks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe not Oren Burks. But <laughs> it is it is interesting. You alluded to this that that Ohio State basically has four draftable linebackers yeah. in this class. Um, the only question is if Tough Borland will sneak into the late rounds, but. Man, that is just an embarrassment of riches for for a college team. And and speaking of teams that are always stacked, uh, we'll move over to Alabama. And uh, Dylan Moses is kind of a funny story because he was being recruited when he was in eighth grade. And I think he he, uh, gave a verbal commit to LSU at some point, like very early in his high school career and um, ended up at Alabama and was was just really considered the future star of that team Um, coming in the 2019 season. And then he had the, uh, I believe, ACL injury and and was lost for all of 19 um, and never really seemed to regain his traction even after coming back in 2020, what, what do you think of Moses? Um, you know, what are his highs and lows and, and where do you see him falling into this draft class? Yeah, I saw Moses as another really frustrating player to try to evaluate and get a good sense of. He's kind of the guy of this class. I constantly felt pressure to like, but never could like him. <laughs> so I always felt like I should rank this guy higher. Like I just felt like the narrative here is that he's an early round guy. And I just, I still couldn't see it. I watched so many Alabama games, and I just kept not – I just couldn't be convinced. I was like, "Where? when is this going to show up? Like, when is his playmaking going to be there? He's playing behind a great front with a great secondary. I mean, it's all there for him. And you see, like – you see that he's got great speed. You see that he's got a great change of direction, great hips and movement in space. But there's just something missing there. You don't see a lot of tenacity. You see a lot of kind of taking plays off. And I, one thing I noted over and over is, where's the motor? Where, where is he going to go? Where is he going to actually make an impact in the game? And I just thought his motor was so hot and cold. And this was even before the injury. I went back to 2018. It was still kind of there. Like, all right, I get that he's on the field. I get why he's there because he's a great athlete and he's got size. But it was just, it was so confusing because you'd like to see him, you know, turn up, turn it up and actually make some plays. And you're always just kind of waiting for it. And so. I just didn't see a lot of evidence of that. I mean, again, I think this guy's going to get drafted probably earlier than, you know, he should because of the athletic. And, you know, those are rare. You can't teach those, right? And so, uh, but my concern is just, there's just, I see him, I think I one note I put is that he stands around and, and 
inspects piles a lot. So he's not always in the action, making the hit, rallying to the ball. You see him kind of halfway jogging. If the play's not going to his direction, you see him kind of jogging over there. And you just don't see that hustle. And it's he's almost the complete polar opposite prospect as, as Bolton. Bolton's like not the best athlete, you know, not the most like physically gifted, but man, he plays with his hair on fire and just never stops. Or I don't know what's going on with Moses. Now he is smart. He's patient. I guess that's the positive. But yeah, you just see a lot of lackluster effort, and that's very frustrating. And he's kind of that prospect that they, you know, they label a coach killer. He's got all the tools, but just never comes together. And so. I bet someone takes him, you know, late on day two, thinking they can light a fire under him, and I just, I'm just not very convinced with him. So, yeah, might might be something with that Alabama defense because there was never a player in the NFL's history that was better at helping his teammates off the pile than Ha Ha Clinton Dix. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's oh man. <laughs> So, um, I mean, Dillamo is the same thing. I was hoping with the injury connection and those kinds of things, he'd be a player that you could get a little bit later and then get that guy who could step in and be an impact player. But uh, lots of things have been said about how Nick Saban trusts him and runs that defense through him, but it just doesn't seem to be all clicking there um, for him to be that player that I would hope my team takes in those first couple of rounds. But uh, someone else who's really, really interesting um, for totally different reasons. We've been talking about Baron Browning, Dylan Moses, guys who are kind of head scratchers trying to figure out where to put them. This is a guy you're kind of asking the same questions, but for totally different reasons. North Carolina's Chaz Surratt is one of the more interesting storylines among linebackers in this whole class. He started at UNC as a quarterback, uh, but made the transition to linebacker. And his stock, like I said, is all over the map, and probably because of that transition, and he's relatively new to that linebacker position. So tell me a little bit about Surratt and how you view his projection to the NFL. Yeah, I actually really like Surratt, and I think I like him more than most people. So I've noticed that I rank him higher than most. I have a late uh, second-round grade on him. And I love him as a choice at the end of the second round. I, I think Surratt or Jabril Cox are right there at the end of the second round. I think you got to like that as the Packers because they both have that similar skill set where they they got speed, athleticism. They're they're very good in coverage. They're really good in space, and they're really good at, you know running sideline to sideline and just and just going after people. Now Jabril Cox is a more polished game because he's been playing a position longer, but I think Surratt has a ton of upside and. Um, you know, like you said, he transitioned from quarterback, but then the two years he played at linebacker, he was outstanding. I mean, he had so much production. He led his team in tackles immediately uh, in both seasons, and he just made a lot of plays. Now, sometimes he takes, you know, he needs to clean up some things, learn to take on blocks better, learn to take better angles. But for only playing the position for two years, I've just thought this guy's got a ton of upside. I think, you know, um, I think his progression is is still going up and i think you know someone who drafts him is going to get the most out of him and he's a guy that is a leader who's smart he's willing to switch positions for his team i mean he's a very selfless uh type of player and i just i thought his play progressions his understanding of the offense was very good and you can see that on film that he reacts very quickly and you know there's there are moments you know he's still learning that side of the ball but I think his experience at quarterback actually helps him a lot, especially in coverage, because he seems to have a really good understanding of route progressions and when, when to jump them and how to watch the quarterback's eyes. And I was actually very impressed with Surratt. And I, I know a lot of people are really down on him, and I'm still curious about that. But 
Um, the only thing I was, you know, a little disappointed is I thought he came in lighter at the senior bowl than I thought. And I, I actually thought he was taller than, I mean, he looks, he looks long on film, like long arms and, and longer build, but he's only like six, one and a half and two twenty seven. But I, I do think he has room on his frame to, to gain weight and strength, but I love him as like a will inside backer, a guy that can just go chase the ball, a guy that can drop in coverage. And I, I think he's a great athlete and. I like him a lot as a second round guy. He's got a yeah, really, really fun. Sorry, Andrew, I was going to interject oh, something fine. here. I just I was watching an interview um, with some of the coaching staff down there at North Carolina, and they were talking about it was funny. In hindsight, they kind of decided they didn't really think he could do it. Like they, he kind of was <laughs> a failed quarterback prospect, and he came in and said, "I want to play defense." And they were like, "No, you're going to play safety." And he's like, "No, I'm a linebacker." And they're like, "Yeah, right." So they try him, and what, they were talking about one of the first practices. He just like came through the line and the totally wrong gap. He was like totally out of place, but just fought through and made this incredible play right out of the gate. And they kind of looked at each other and they like that was kind of the moment they're like, okay, well maybe we'll give him a shot. And then obviously this that's you know the story is in hindsight now he's this NFL draft prospect at linebacker. So just a player that is easy to root for because of the story, um, but also someone who's been told he can't do it before. And just continues to fight through. And so uh, someone fun to watch, but also you get excited about the tools that he does possess. So uh, someone that I really like, and I hope that uh, we get to continue to see on his journey here as we approach the draft. I, I was just going to say, I, I, I found it really fun when I was watching Surratt. Um, you know, the first game or or maybe two that I looked at, I didn't know he was a former quarterback. I'm like, man, this guy's really instinctive in zone coverage. Like he seems to know where the receivers are going. And then I found out that he's a former quarterback. It's like, okay, things are starting to click here. I, I, I think he's using his, his knowledge of scanning the field kind of against the, the opponents the same way that some smaller linebackers sort of hide behind the blockers just like a smaller running back does. And and the other thing is he's surprisingly feisty for a former quarterback. Yeah. He's not afraid to stick his nose in places, and um, I, I really like that about about him as too. And so he definitely popped on tape, and um, a guy that is always going to stand out on tape just because of his freakish size is Charles Snowden from Virginia. And you know he he's kind of a, a weird athlete. He's six seven. Listed at about 230, he looks like, like I, I said before the show, he looks like a stretch four in basketball. Um, he never really made a, that, that leap up draft boards that I was expecting based on his prognosis before the 2020 season. So what do you think of Snowden, and am I right to have moved him from off-ball linebacker to edge? Yeah, I feel like this one could go either way as far as where to put him, uh, just depending on maybe the scheme he gets drafted in. You know, I don't see him as a true Mike or true inside guy. So if he gets drafted by a 4-3, maybe he's like a Sam where he kind of plays some edge and some off ball. Um, you know, something like the Packers scheme, maybe they transition him to 3-4 outside backer. I would imagine the Packers draft him, that's their thinking. Is this guy is the project, but we like his set. And yeah, six, what was he, over 6-6, six, six, 230? That's so that's still yeah. lanky. And so, you know, but that frame, you can think, we can add a lot of muscle and strength to this. And that's exactly what I see is needed here is a lot of straight line speed, a lot of quick first step explosion. You like the length as far as you know, t- keeping blockers off of him and setting an edge, but he really needs to get stronger. And once, you know, linemen got their hands on him, he was basically out of the play. So 
Um, you like the wingspan, you like everything about that and his, his ability in pursuit. I actually noted that he was a really good backside defender. And so like when he, cause half the time he played edge in Virginia, um, when the run was going away from him, he was that backside edge guy, he would run the ball down. And so that just shows that he's got range and he's got burst. Uh, and I, I thought his motor was pretty good, um, in college, but just what to do with him is, is so hard. I just think inside as an inside backer you'd worry that he'd play so tall and that lineman would get up under his pads and just drive him you know off, <laughs> off the line of the scrimmage and so um i think maybe edge who knows you know teams like to get creative and um you know we got guys like tremaine edmonds who's six five and playing inside backer in buffalo so um yeah but I, it just it does seem like that's his best fit is you know running off the edge and and Maybe that's his best. Yeah, but it, well, whoever takes him, is gonna, it's going to be a project. I heard a interview with uh, Snowden on another podcast a couple weeks ago, and it was interesting because even hearing him talk about his fit, he basically said, I have no idea, and it depends from team to team. And he just said, I want to play football, but it was very much a kind of a shrug moment where, like, I don't know <laughs> where I fit. I just want to play football and impact the impact the the defense for my team so even he's like i don't know exactly where you put me just let me play football so uh we're all we're all draft nerds here we love this stuff but it takes a special kind of crazy i think to have strong takes on day three linebackers but uh, i know there are a couple diamond in the rough kind of guys that you really like so if the packers were to wait until later on day three to pick a linebacker who are some guys that you think we should keep our eyes on throughout this process yeah, I mean, I'd like to hear your uh, day three guys, too, once I'm done. But um, there's so many. And realistically, I think as Packer fans, we know this is probably the pool they're picking from. Is <laughs> They're not going to take it inside Packer first three picks. I, I mean, maybe the third round. Um, but they just have so many other needs and they value their position. So I think fourth, fifth round is really the, the sweet spot. And they'll just keep taking chances on these fourth round guys. And, um, you know, or fifth-round guys, and that's fine. Uh, I think the solid pick for me on day three is Monty Rice from Georgia. He's the guy I like as far as – I'm not wowed by him, but he's like, oh, I know he can come in and play a role. Like, he could maybe be a solid starter. I liked Derek Barnes quite a bit from Purdue, uh, kind of as a uh, backer, like a true Mike. And, and you know – if you pair him with someone who's got some speed as a will, I think that's a good combo. But Derek Barnes is probably going to give you a lot of what you already have with you know, Chris Barnes or uh, Kamal Martin. Uh, but I thought he was really solid inside backer. He's one of the better backers in this class, in my opinion, on taking on blocks and holding the point of attack and shedding. And uh, He just has limited range, probably average speed. So that's going to really drop him five. But he did you know, play some edge, too, uh, on passing downs and you know, got after the quarter. Back and I think last uh, 2019, seven and a half sacks and three hurries. So he can do some things on third downs. You just don't want him out in coverage or out in space one on one against like athletic running backs or anything like that. Um, the other guy I'd mention is Garrett Wallow, who from TCU I like a lot. And I think he's got a little tenacity to him. He's got a pretty uh, good like first step. And some you know Packer fans are probably going to be you know if let's say Green Bay drafted a guy like Wallow, they go none you know none another TCU guy. And they'll compare him to Ty Summers. But I think Wall is a much better athlete and a lot more explosive. And I just, I think his, you know, college resume is a lot more impressive. And so I think Wallow has starting caliber. Um, and he'd be like a fourth or fifth round guy. 
I guess the last guy I'd mention is um, to not overlook is Anthony Hines the third from Texas A&M. He's a great athlete. Uh, he sat out the season because of uh, you know COVID, and he didn't want to. He wanted to declare early for the draft, but he also he also missed the season because of an injury. So he's really raw, but you know he's a guy that maybe if he would have played more, could have been a day two prospect. So he's got the makings of a great athlete and you know a playmaker. But he he'll fall to day three, I think, because of you know sitting out so much in the last few years. So I saw Kyle feverishly looking through his notes. So I'll let you go first. Oh no, so I was, gonna, where I was just about. gonna be like, I know like the both of you guys have watched much deeper, especially into the linebacker position than I have. <laughs> I was actually just gonna share what was a funny revelation to me because I was excited about Cameron McGrone, uh, thinking as someone who'd kind of fallen off the map just a little bit from where maybe people thought he was gonna be, that I thought maybe he could be an early kind of day three kind of a guy that I think could be a great NFL player. But it, it turns out as I, I got into it a little bit, he's pretty well liked around the league and people like him on on day two pretty well. So that was not a, a sleeper at all. So I don't have anyone nearly as as well as Dan does. I like Pete Werner a lot if he were to fall to day three. I think he's a good fit for the Packers and what they what they typically like. Um, they're kind of in that middle round, not maybe an exciting addition, but someone who's going to be really solid. But, uh, Andrew, who do you like? And I don't like Pete Warner because he's not exciting. I know. Give me some excitement, Kyle. <laughs> Give me somebody who can run. So one, one guy that we haven't talked about that I really like is Jameen Davis from Kentucky as like that hybrid linebacker. And, and, you know, we talk about potentially having to replace Raven Green. He's got a lot of movement skills, a lot of good pass coverage. You probably don't want him on the field on first down, but um, he, he's got some good movement skills. I was going to mention Wallow. He, he, he was actually a converted safety, and he definitely looks like it, but he also loves to hit people. Uh, so he was fun to watch. And then uh, Tony Fields, the second from West Virginia, I, I kind of had similar movement skills uh, with him as well. So a lot of fun stuff. Most of the other guys I graded that are day three are all like solid. They're good at moving forward, not so good at moving laterally. They're going to be good special teams guys. So I think the Packers have enough of that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I forgot about Tony Fields and I really like, uh, those smaller linebackers from West Virginia. If you remember David Long Jr. from a couple of years ago, yeah, I was a big fan of him, and he went in the sixth round. But now he's a great player for the Titans. So I think Tony Fields is that kind of underrated day three guy. That was a good mention. All right, so I know both of you have your scientific and data driven processes, and that's really nice, but it's not a lot of fun sometimes. It's it's too uh, it's too linear. I want you to throw that out the window for us, Dan, and I want you just to tell us. Who your biggest draft crush is this year um, at the linebacker spot? If the Packers were to take him, you'd just be over the moon excited about the Packers landing that player. It's so hard for me to pick one, but I'm not going to cheat. I almost said two, like, you know, trying to cheat the process here. But I want to leave the door open, too, for I want to hear who Andrew would pick as well. But <laughs> I, my guy, like, I'd be really excited just because of where they could get him is Chas Surratt. I think they could get him end of the second or maybe they trade down in the middle of the third. And I think his potential is is really big, and I think he will fall a little bit because he's still new to the position. But I just like his athletic skill set. I like how tough he plays. I like how smart he is. I would I would love it if they had Chester out on their roster. All right, Andrew, tell us who your emotional uh, 
your emotional pick is who you like. I was gonna I was gonna pick Chaz Surratt. Oh, um, no. which, which which is good. We're we're on the same page. I guess if I had to take um, a second choice. So the you know I definitely have a crush on Zayvon Collins, but the Packers aren't taking him in the first round, and he's he's not making a pass there. So um, let's say Jabril Cox. Okay. I, I think you know it, I, he's sort of the second choice behind uh, Chaz Surratt because I think you know he'll he'll definitely be there at the end of the second. But um, Cox is a fun you know movement player. The that he he's not quite. Deion Jones or who's the other LSU linebacker that was right after Deion Jones that I'm forgetting right now. Devin oh, White. Devin White. Devin yeah, White, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, but you know, he, he's in that mold. He, he's mm-hmm. just like a super fun mover. He, he's, he's going to be a, a really good pass coverage guy. So um, it, it would be nice for the Packers really to have a linebacker that, you know, you can trust against tight ends and running backs on third down. Yeah, that would be a really nice, something we've been waiting for for a while. If it were to come to be on the roster, it could be a nice piece. But uh, Zayvon Collins is a, is a fun piece. I'm He'd be the one that I would, I don't know that I'm excited about taking a linebacker in round one, but I think he's going to be a draft crush for me. Uh, just, you know, not Eric Kendricks level maybe from years back, but someone I'm going to like there at the end of the first round. But probably not going to happen because the Packers don't draft linebackers in the first round. Uh, but, Dan, we really do want to say a big thank you for taking the time to join us and talk linebackers today. Before we go, I want you to go ahead and tell us uh, where other people can find your work um, and where they can follow you on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I don't write as much as I used to, but I still contribute uh, to draft content to Cheesehead TV. And then I'll, I'll be in the draft guide that they're, they're putting out here. Um, you can start ordering those soon. And then my Twitter is just my name, uh, lowercase dandalky86. Uh, occasionally I put stuff out there on there. Um, usually around draft time, but <laughs> it's kind of just a draft Twitter, I guess. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's it for now. Just Cheesehead TV and, and then looking at the draft guide, which is going to be great this year. Yeah, so just real quick, am I correct in that you, obviously we've talked up your knowledge of linebackers today, but you are also doing work on uh, running backs for the Cheesehead TV draft guide, is that correct? Yep, yep, that's the other position I do, that's correct. There you go, so check out Dan's work on linebackers and running backs in that guide, it's going to be a great piece to help you get ready for the draft here, uh, that's coming up really quickly here. Um, make sure you do give Dan a follow on Twitter, uh, again, dandalky 86 Again, we thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us on the Packaday Podcast. It's always great to have you um, and great conversations today around those linebackers. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, and uh, make sure that you you watch out for the Cheesehead TV draft guide and the, the pre-order will be out there soon. And that's always an awesome resource to have a really fan-specific, centric guide that you can look through and, and check out and learn a lot more about different draft prospects. But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what you're doing. You catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. We're going to be back next week, and we are going to wrap up this positional prospectus with cornerbacks and safeties, which everybody should be really excited about. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember...